0: All right. Heavenly Father, we bring our financial worship to you as the one who provides for all of our needs. We're grateful for your blessing. We're grateful for your provision. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. You own all the gold in the world. All this stuff is unimpressive to you and it's easy for you. You're our provider though. You give us this resource and you know that we use this tool and money answers all things. So it is a blessing to have. It is an advantage to have. And at the same time, Lord, we never want money to have us Protect our hearts from the love of money, and help us to use it as a tool—a kingdom advancing tool, a tool to bless, a tool to encourage, a tool, to, a tool to support, a tool to see that Your will is done and accomplished here on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we know that You're not, You're not withholding anything from us. At Your right hand are pleasures forevermore. We know You've already given us the ultimate, the best, and the highest. You gave us Jesus Christ, Your Your Son. If You wouldn't hold back Your Son from us. Obviously, you'll give us lesser things than him. So we honor him as the first, as the best, and as the greatest. And yes, we thank you for these lesser things, these trivial things like money and resource and all these other small things. But we hold up King Jesus as the primary gift, and we bring our financial worship as one of our many means of worship to him through our tithes, through our offerings. We thank you for providing for us, God. We pray for this couple that Kayla's just brought up, these dear friends of hers who are going through this valley. They're walking through the darkness right now. God, we ask that you would make your presence known to them. We know you're with them, but we ask that you would make yourself known to them. Help them to see and sense and feel your nearness, that they would be comforted, that years from now when they look back on this season of mourning and this season of challenge, that they would still look back and say, but there was still a sweetness and the Lord was close. The Lord did something in us. The Lord did something through us. He did not kill our child, but the Lord restored our souls. The Lord brought us strength. He brought us healing. He brought us provision. He got us through when pressures mounted against us. All the weapons that the enemy formed, against us, they they failed. And the word of the Lord prevailed in our lives. God, we thank you for your kindness. As we turn to your word today as a church, God, bury it deep in us. Plant these seeds deeply and make us good soil today. Make us good soil who's ready to receive. Don't make. Let us not be like the hard path. The seed drops on and the seed can't get in. And don't let us be like the one who quickly responds with joy, but then is easily distracted by the cares of this world, or the one who is easily turned away as soon as some persecution comes up. But Lord, make us be good soil, rich soil, full of nutrient, eager and humble to receive and to respond to what you have to say. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we are, of course, keeping going. We're talking about the salt church values. We've identified what our different values are. Anybody remember what our first value was? We love God. As Nisi said, for real, for real. What was our What was our next one? We are noticeable. So to be salt is not to be bland. Salt is salty. And Jesus warned though, if salt loses its saltiness, then it becomes worthless. So we don't want to be the Church of Jesus Christ who loses its saltiness, loses the thing that makes it distinct. We don't want to be Oprah Christians. And what do I mean by that? Reader's Digest Christians. What do I mean by that? I mean American Christians. We don't want to be bland. We don't want to mean, well, that's my truth, and that's your truth, and it's everybody's truth, truth. No, we want to lovingly, which includes boldly, we want to lovingly and boldly tell everybody the good news. Why? Because it's good news. We're not ashamed. I'm not a little, I've got to tell you something. You're not going to take this well. That's not our approach at all. Our approach is no we have good news. Jesus is king and he loves you. Jesus is king and he cares about you. Jesus is king and he invites you to be a child in his kingdom. This is the good news and that's a bold message. Well, that offends some people. Indeed it does, but that's not the intention. The intention is to just bring the good news. What people do with that good news, they get that's between them and the Lord. But I'm responsible to bring it to them. And even when they come up with false objections, I don't need to back away. And become weak and become cowardly. Oh, well, they think that's the truth. Well, okay. If I love them, I'm still, I'm still going to help them and say, hey, this is what's true. This is what the Word of God says, and this is how the Lord sees it. Well, I don't know if I believe that. Well, I, I'm not making you believe anything, but I'm still telling you the good news. This is, this is what's true. Two plus two equals four. You don't believe that? It's all right. You don't have to, but it will still be reality according to God. So today we're moving into our third value. This value is we multiply. Salt Church is a multiplying church. We multiply as individuals who multiply to make disciples, and we're going to multiply as a church who plants churches aggressively, very aggressively, not something that we're just, we'll see what happens in the future. No, no, not at all. We want to plant churches quickly. We want to plant churches aggressively. We want to see multiplication happen. Why? Well, because this is God's plan. This is God's idea. In Genesis 9-1, so back in Genesis, we get the command where God tells us to be fruitful and multiply. This is the normal state for things, right? We understand this in plant life. It's a normal thing. The tree drops its seeds, those seeds drop others, like everything germinates, everything reproduces. This is the normal state of things. Growth and reproduction is God's default, it's his normal, it's not his exception. People should make more people, Christians should make more Christians, churches should make more churches. If that's not happening, then we know something's off, like Kayla had brought up. So what then? Well, This is why we pray and we stand in faith, knowing that husbands and wives will be fruitful as mothers and fathers in Salt Church. And also knowing that disciples in Salt Church are going to make disciples. And that salt church is going to make other... It may not be called salt church, but we'll make other churches. Reproduction is just... It's the most normal thing in the world. It's the most normal thing in the world. That is what... That's the default. You've got to work. You know, you've got to go on birth control to stop from reproducing. It's just going to happen. It's going to happen. Well, there there does require another step, actually, before the (laughs) reproduction. It's not just going to happen. So in the same way, way, when it comes to disciple-making... There, there does something is required. It's not automatic, and it's not John Michael who can just make disciples. John Michael equips the saints to do what? To make disciples. So I'm a Christian in the church, just like everybody else. This is my church. I'm a part of Salt Church. I have to make disciples, and at the same time, I also happen to wear this hat, which is important, and I'm I'm equipping the saints. This is a part of discipleship, most definitely. But this is not a substitute for what Christy was describing there in Voxer a few minutes ago that somebody in her life needs more of her. She needs to step up as a disciple maker, and she knows that that's her responsibility. Yes, sir, Brock. good question. So Brock was asking, he said, you know how there's Walmarts here, Dollar General's there. Could there be multiple salt churches? There could. There are some churches, Brock, who the pastor will be at one campus and then they'll use video screens and they'll beam him into all the other places and and teams will lead and all that. We're not going to do that though. What we're going to do is we're going to plant other churches who are churches all by themselves and I won't be the pastor of that church. And, And we as a body won't be accountable and like up in each other's business, up in each other's lives. We'll still love them and support them. We feel kind of more like a cousin, cousin church, whereas the people in here are brother and sister, all up in each other's business. You're getting on my nerves. I love you. Let's pray together. All that life-on-life kind of stuff going on. That's what's going to happen here. But yeah, Brock, we want lots of churches throughout this region that came, and we want to become a grandparent as a church. We want to become a great-grandparent as a church. That means we plant a church, and their DNA— because that's that's what's in a human right it's in their DNA the acorn it's got how many how many uh an acorn comes from an oak tree, <laughs> oak tree. thank you. I was like,, mm, I'm going on on a limb here it's not an acorn tree it's an oak tree so but how many oak trees are in an acorn? I mean, if you plant that one then how many like it could be thousands it could be millions. Well, in the same way, how many people were in Adam and Eve? Like, we were in them. Like, here we are. So that multiplication happens. The same thing could happen for disciple-making, and it should. It started with Jesus. Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the starting building block for the whole church. But now look at the structure that exists, that multiplication. He poured into his 12, and we're all sitting here today because of those 12. And the same thing should happen for churches. Churches should be multiplying Planting churches, we don't just have to expand our walls and go, we need a bigger facility, we need a bigger facility, we need a bigger facility. How's everybody going to fit here? Well, they're not, and they don't need to. We just need to make disciples. We need to advance Jesus' kingdom, and Jim Michael has to make sure he resists the temptation to build his own kingdom and go, yes, fill the room, come listen to me speak. Uh, I, I, I love a filled room. Why? Because people matter. Yeah. And should people listen to me speak? Yeah, because I'm telling the truth about God. So those things are are not bad things, but those things can become the wrong things. Is Voxer working? Okay, we're good now. So with growth being God's good design and being his commanded expectation, why doesn't multiplication happen? with disciples, making disciples? Why doesn't multiplication happen with churches planting churches? And we're going to have back and forth now. Literally, we're just throwing it out. Like, why don't, why don't Christians make disciples? I want to hear reasons, thoughts, ideas. Why isn't it happening? And why aren't churches planting churches? Whatever comes to your mind. It's intimidating. It's intimidating. Yeah. Can you type these? Oh. I want to see Can somebody punch these in, just in a text? Right. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Sherry, you got it? I got it. Okay, Sherry's going to drop these in. So, it's, so, we don't make disciples because it's intimidating. Mm-hmm. Why else don't we make disciples?
1: Someone
0: said fear. Afraid? Mm-hmm. Afraid, okay. Fear of rejection? Apathy. Apathy. Just not caring enough. Like, eh, I mean. What's up, Rob? Feeling awkward? Feeling awkward? Okay. Intimidating to go against that. Yeah, knowing that this could be uh, a big objection because, uh, what is that? What's the word for that? Pluralism? I forget what the technical (laughs) word is. But it's the idea like everybody's got their truth. Yeah. Not wanting to offend worldview. Yeah. Yeah. Angelina said, or Adam. Oh, Angelina said, fear of man. Adam said, wrapped up in our own world. Yeah, fear of man. I mean, that's probably the root behind a bunch of these we've already listed. Yeah. Yeah. But they feel more—they feel more specific. It feels like no, it's not fear of man. It's this thing. Too busy. No, that's a good one. I'm busy. Yeah. yeah. I think the average Christian doesn't even think about doing it. Yeah, it's not even. Doesn't even think
1: about doing it. Ooh, I got one. Yeah. Preachers in such a way that the focus is on the individual, mm. mm-hmm. pulpits, the like, like yeah, yeah the, like it's, it's all about like self-help, self-growth, like, and not that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, there's a place for teaching believers how to grow and how to have a better life and how to do the word, but oftentimes the message of um, evangelism, the message of discipling others, the message of multiplying is not coming from American
0: pulpits. So the pulpit's not steering yes. this message at all. The exactly. pulpit's saying, it's all about you, Bradley. You're just It's just you, man. This is your world. I'm here to just make Bradley happy. As long as Bradley's happy, this is going to be a good church. Pastor Jermichael wants mm-hmm. to please everybody. You don't need to do anything. Like a Me and the professional love. team are here. Mm-hmm. Me and this professional staff, we're going to take care of you. And you just ple- just come. Please come because I'm insecure, and if you don't come, then I'll feel like I'm not doing a good job. Right. Instead of this, pick up a gun, start shooting. Get, thinking that you're not good enough. If I then I can't share. I just yelled at my kids, how can I make disciples? I'm a bad mom, I'm a whatever, you know? I smoke, I can't make disciples. That rules me out. I smoke cigars, so now I can't make disciples either, apparently. Yeah. Condemnation. Condemnation's keeping me like, uh when I be, when I get to be a better Christian, quote, quote, better Christian, then I'll be able to make disciples. Like
1: I'll start working out after I lose
0: ten There we go. I'll start eating healthier once I feel better or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: What's a reason that we don't make disciples, Hudson? That you think? Oh,
1: I want to say something
0: else. Oh, we can do that later. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, bro. Excuses. Yeah, we just make up new excuses. Now, why do you think we don't plant churches? So that's why we, as Christians, we're not making disciples. We got lots of reasons there. Why aren't we planting churches? Why don't churches aggressively plant churches? That's, that's really the root of it. If we were making new disciples, we would actually be forced to plant new churches uh, by necessity because the building projects wouldn't even be able to keep up.
1: It feels better to have more people in
0: your church. It feels better to have more people in my church. Why aren't we planting churches? And the ant- Brock's answer was, because we're not making disciples. And then Kayla said, because I like having have more people in my church, you know? Like, this is the place to be. This is the one. Like, you need to be here.
1: I think, sorry, go ahead,
0: Bob. Maybe it's like there's this much pie, and if I get a bigger piece, you get less. Ooh, so good. There's only so much pie. And if I get a big piece, then you're going to get less. Or if they get a big piece, I get less. It's a scarcity mindset. It is like the most selfish, moronic, backwards thing. Like, well. Like we're in competition. Like we're in competition with churches instead of we're all like, well, what if, you know, like what if we hear about a new church that gets planted in in Hartfield? Or what if they're gonna build right across the street? You know, we're gonna be like, yes, let's go. No one can compete with Salt Church. You know why? Because we want them to win. That's why. Nobody can compete with me in the coaching world when it comes to coaching and helping men and family leadership. Why? Because I want them to win. So you can't beat me. And I can't beat you. We're on a mission here to help people. So everybody wins. This is the kingdom perspective. It's not a zero-sum game. That means there's only, there's only one prize here. You know, the Super Bowl, somebody's going to be a winner and somebody's going to be a loser. It doesn't go if it goes into 49 overtimes. The Super Bowl cannot end in a tie. You will win, you will lose. And we need that. There's certain places where that makes sense in life. The kingdom is not one of them. The abundance of God, the blessing of God, and for crying out loud, we're not even kind of close to to reaching the whole world for King Jesus yet. We got a lot of work to do. All right, sorry, I soapbox there.
1: Got distracted. Um, I think I think that uh, because a lot of American, a lot of American ministers believe that in order to start a church, you have to have money, you have to have resources. And that's just not true. You don't have to have money to start a church. Mm. I mean, we started in our living room, you know?
0: So the, the, so the cost of starting, the assumption think, is that it, assumption this is a big that deal. you
1: need a building, you need a TV, you need a band, you need all the things that the American churches have. Yeah. Um, and that's it's a wrong, it's not a New Testament way of thinking right. about it. They don't yeah. have
0: a Yeah, well, they, they think they don't.
1: They think they don't have the right It's
0: We don't plan churches because we're like, Okay. What do you need to plan a church and we immediately go into like the big box model of like okay, we need a building, we need a great band, people like that like, and already you're thinking about pleasing people instead of pleasing person. Yes. And you're going well we need this and we need that and we need this. Nobody's going to like have meetings at the pilot house. <laughs> in, <laughs> in the back room when it's really hot.
1: Oh, yeah, it was so hot. It was pretty hot.
0: And nobody's going to want to cram into my living room. Like, that doesn't feel cool. So it's a perception of what's needed, which is also focused on drawing a crowd. Yeah. I didn't want to go to the meeting because I didn't want to get busted by my other church. Okay. It's kind of mental mess up with that. So, yeah. Yeah, possessiveness, feeling... uh, territorialism,
1: yeah.
0: churches, the uh, there, there's denominations There's denominations where if you want to plant a church, like if you're a Methodist and you want to plant a Methodist church, you have to go X amount of miles away from other Methodist churches. It doesn't matter that there's six people sitting in that Methodist church on a Sunday morning. You've got to stick with the policy so you're not stealing folks instead of like, <laughs> I don't want to steal nobody. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not in the kidnapping business we're in the disciple making business. So yeah, we got all kinds of excuses, all kinds of reasons. These are things, these are reasons that multiplication doesn't happen. Fear, rejection, intimidation, feels awkward. The idea that everyone has their own truth. Why aren't we planting churches? Cuz because first of all, we're not making disciples. Or I just like the people in my church. Or there's only so much only so many people to go around. And uh, we're in competition with one another. Or we think we don't have the tools. We're territorial and we just have excuses. Plenty of reasons. Plenty of excuses. We didn't even mention Satan's opposition, which is real. The, the spirit realm is our biggest opponent, certainly not flesh and blood. Fear, jealousy, laziness, lack of love, selfishness, lack of resources may be our excuse, lack of training may be our reasoning. But we don't have to worry about any of those things, and I'm going to show you why. Go to Matthew chapter 16. By the way, that list that we have in Voxer is going to be how we're going to close our service to pray. We're praying about those very things. Matthew 16, in verse 16, or verse 15, Jesus is asking, he says, who do people say that I am? He's asking his disciples, hey, who's everybody talking about? And he knows, but he's saying, who do they say? And I'm like, well, some say, um," well, we'll read it. Some say you're John the Baptist. Others say that you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he cuts to the chase. And he says, but who do you say that I am? Do you know? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. Which rock? The rock of this revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So all those things we listed, I think, are pretty pathetic in light of what sounds pretty intimidating, the gates of hell. At first glance, that sounds intimidating. Hey, want to go with me to the gates of hell? No, I'll pass. Uh, Now, if it's Jesus talking, sign me up. Let's go. Why? Because Jesus is on offense and Jesus is building his church. That's the statement that he makes. I will build my church. Jesus sends out people to multiply. That's what he's talking about. Building something, building, building, building. He's building his church. That is his building method, sending out people. He's not using bricks to build. He's using you. And he's using that person that you're about to invite to your home for, to lead them in, in, in discovery Bible study, who's about to enter the kingdom, and then they're going to go do the same thing with someone else. And then he says, and the gates of hell will not stand against it. So he guarantees victory. He says, I'm building my church. I'm building people who are going to build people and teach them to obey everything I've commanded. And then he says, and good news, the gates of hell won't prevail. You thought we were defending ourselves against the attacks of Satan? He flips it and says, no, 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 no. We're on offense. Satan's got his gates and we're barging through. We are going into the darkness. We're not hiding in the corner with the light saying, hope my candle doesn't go out. <laughs> we're saying, hey, we're going to light everybody's candle. Like we're going to set this whole place on fire. You're going to see really clearly. It's going to be bright. That's the advance. That's the, the angle that the church makes. I think another reason we don't make disciples, another reason we don't, plant churches is because we have this hide-and-wait mentality when it comes to the kingdom. Jesus, please come back soon. You see what these yucky people are doing down here. They're, they're so yucky. This world's just getting yuckier and yuckier by the day. Is it? Sure. In some ways, yeah. In some ways, no. But that's not what he told us to do. He doesn't want a, pa- a defensive Christian posture. He's saying, advance. Advance. You're not cowards. The, he, the Bible says the cowardly will have their place in the lake of fire. Cowards go to hell is what the Bible teaches. Hey, okay, well, Christians aren't cowards then, are they? No, they're not. We move forward with boldness because he guarantees victory. Jesus is building the church, not you. There's no pressure on you. You just need to make disciples. You and I, we're just obeying the builder and the original cornerstone of the church. He was set first, and now everything is built around him. He is the chief disciple maker. He multiplied. And we continue to multiply now exponentially to fulfill his purpose of the kingdom come so that the father's will is done. So to be a disciple for Jesus is to make disciples for Jesus. That Those two can never be separated. Are you a Christ follower? Yeah, I repeated after a preacher one time. That's, that's good. So you've been made new. Absolutely. Good. So are you in the fight? And then we've got that weird situation that should never exist. We've got the person who's enlisted in the army, but has never done any job in the army. Are you in the army? Yeah, i got a uniform and everything. They're legitimately in the army. I'm not doubting that. There are people who are legitimately in the kingdom of God and still not in the fight. And they're bored because of it. Their Christianity is boring. Their walk with the Lord is lame. And they feel like, yeah, I'm satisfied with this. You have no idea what you're missing. No idea how good it is to get into the fight. Well, fighting sounds scary. Yeah, except that Jesus already won and crushed Satan under his feet. And, ex- and except that we get to bless and love and care for the people that you love most. And when you cover them in prayer, and when you see the Holy Spirit move in power, this becomes meaningful. So to, to be a disciple of Jesus is to make disciples for Jesus. To be a church for King Jesus is to plant churches for King Jesus. Well, we're just going to what? You're going to what? How in the world can a church stay the same size year after year after year after year after year? How is this possible? How is this possible? Unless by design, which Salt Church is designed to stay the same size. How? I'll remind you, Salt Church will never get beyond 200 people. Why not? Because when we hit 200 people, we are planting a church. 50 of you, get out of here. Well, we thought, yeah, we, we will cry. I'm sure it'll be bittersweet and go. Why? Because the mission's bigger. We see that happen in the book of Acts. When they know that they're going to see Paul for the last time, they all sobbed, weeping and crying. Even one of the guys prophesies. He ties himself up and shows Paul, he says, You're, they're going to tie you up literally like this when you get to Rome. They knew Paul was going to die. And Paul knew it. And they still hugged and cried. And they're like, King Jesus is worth it. We all know it. We all know it. I love you. I'll see you on the other side of the river. And he leaves to go off to Rome to see Caesar, who cuts his head off. Why? So he could preach the gospel to more and farther and wider. Jesus' mission matters most. Well, I don't know if i like this. Me either. But I'm not in charge. So that's what we're going to do. We, by design, will stay between 150 to 200 people. But if we don't multiply, if we don't grow, if nothing changes then I'm going to seriously consider stepping away from the thing and say, hey, you know, we're, we, we tried, we failed. Obviously, I'm not making disciples. You're not making disciples. I don't want to just be a pastor to be a pastor. I want to be a pastor to be in the fight. So obviously, I need to go grow. I need to go learn. I need to go figure something out because I'm not going to just stay the same. If we're not multiplying, that's not, that's not the church that I even want to be yeah, this part I don't want to be in the church that, yeah, it's, well we, we've got 5,000 people. OK? How many years have you run 5,000 people? Oh, we've had that consistently for 10 years now. How is that possible? How is this? I don't get it. How can you have 5,000 people? For 10 years. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Well, we're at service every week. And then what? Is anybody making a disciple? We've had 20 people for five years. I don't care about 5,000 or 20. Are you multiplying? no why not oh you know we're just really big on discipleship ha 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 that is the dumbest joke i've ever heard we're big on discipleship some people are about evangelism and some people are about discipleship no it's called discipleship and it includes evangelism discipleship is just it's making disciples it's jesus didn't say some of you will go evangelize and some of you will make disciples those aren't two different worlds it's just make disciples that, so that includes everything. And this is the normal. This is the norm. Well, it's not normal for me, I know. And that's why I'm having to re- renew my mind with the Word of God because the norm for me is to kind of do my own thing, <laughs> maybe invite somebody to come hear my preacher because he's awesome, and then see what happens from there between them and the Lord. And maybe the pastor, maybe the staff can take care of that person because that ain't my thing, Like, because I smoke. So, <laughs> you know, like, I can't make disciples or I yell at my kids, so I can't make disciples. Go to Matthew 28. Oh, I'm sorry, Matthew 4. Matthew 4. Disciple-making and church-planting have ignorantly been treated like an optional, high-level Christianity. Like, disciple-making isn't for all Christians. Like, church-planting isn't for all churches. It's wrong. This is ABC stuff. People act like, oh, that's if you get your doctorate in Christianity, then you're going to make disciples. No, no. If you know your ABCs in Christianity, then you make disciples. That's the perspective that the Word of God takes. How? How do we know? I'll prove it to you so that this isn't John Michael's soapbox. This is Jesus' words. Matthew four eighteen. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus is about to call his very first disciples right now. Let's pay attention to what invitation he uses to draw people to himself. This is going to be significant, right? Would you agree? Like, no matter what you're leading, if you're a cult leader, if you're whatever, your invitation is kind of your thing, right? Hey, come follow me. What for? And whatever they say next is going to really set the framework for where this whole thing's going. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. At the very beginning, he was up front. This wasn't some bait and switch. This wasn't like, Hey, hey, follow me, and and we'll see what happens. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James and the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. I bet they smoked cigars. I bet they lost their temper. I bet they weren't good enough. I bet they were worried about feeling awkward. What else we got here? I bet they were wrapped up in their own world. I bet they had excuses. I bet they were apathetic. I bet they were intimidated. I know they were. They were human beings. These are fishermen. Jesus called dudes. Yeah. He didn't call the Pharisees. And from moment one, he told them what this thing's going to be about. Hey, guys, come follow me. What for? I'm going to make you fishers of men. That's the invite. That's the call. Not... Hey, come follow me, and we'll have a personal relationship. Hey, come follow me. I have a wonderful plan for your life. Hey, come follow me. You'll go to heaven when you die. Are all those things included? They are, but they are not what Jesus bases his invite on. But that's oftentimes what we've been born and bred on. Yeah, That's the... It's a a personal relationship. Oh, okay, I'm in a personal relationship now. Going to heaven when I die. That's good. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. Because Jesus is there. Yes. But what do I really want to do? I want to be in the fight. I want my life to count. I want it to be poured out. I want it to matter for him, for his glory. I want him to say, well done, you good and faithful servant. Because I know, like we said before, when we get to the other side for just five minutes, ugh, Oh, Lord, what could I have done different? What could I have done more for you? And he's going to be gracious with no condemnation because Christ was condemned for us. Well, I think some people feel called to do that. Well, everybody who follows Jesus gets to hear it right up front. So this is how Jesus starts his ministry. I proved it to you with the Bible, right? I'm not making this stuff up. Let's see how Jesus ends his ministry on earth. Matthew 28. Let's see if he has any mission drift along the way. Let's see if he gets off track or if he's still about multiplying. Let's see if that's still his purpose. Making you fishers of men. Matthew 28, verse 18. So here we have Jesus. He died. He's been raised from the dead. And now he has literally walked on the earth for 40 days with his people, teaching them, instructing them. He takes them up on the mountain, And he says, and Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He starts with, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And as he's rolling out, he's saying, go, go, go. Go into all the world, teach and obey everything I've commanded. This is Jesus' mission from beginning to end, his first invitation to his last command. You want to follow me? Yeah, but what are we, what's it going to be about making fishers of men? For what? For the purpose of the kingdom advancing. As he clarifies here at the end, go make disciples. What's A disciple of what? Someone who obeys Jesus. A disciple of Jesus is an obedient person to Jesus. What are we going to teach them? Everything I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. His very first invite was making disciples, and his very last words were about making disciples. This is his focus and his priority. It is the mission of God to multiply. It is the mission of God to expand his family. It is the mission of God to rescue people and bring them in. Do you have a verse for that? Well, yeah, we've had a few, but we also have the entire book of Acts. This is what's happening. And we have the entire Bible that's showing God's mission. But in Acts 13, really we see a transition uh, through, through chapter 12 where it's walking through the early church. This is happening and that's happening. It's all popping off and it's multiplying and it's multiplying and it's multiplying. Then in chapter 13, we see the church planting in particular kick into high gear. And basically the rest of the book of Acts from 13 on follows Paul in his missionary journey largely where the Lord was leading him and then the rest of acts is following that work of making disciples and planting churches then what about the rest of the new testament after acts the whole all the other letters all the other books those letters are written to the churches that paul and others planted like the bible is written to a bunch of church plants that's what these were the church here the church there the church here the church there in timothy paul's telling timothy hey here's what you need to know Timothy, go back through all these places, these churches that we've planted, and I want you to appoint elders. Because right now we have kind of have a loose body of believers. They are the church of Jesus, but they need eldership now. And I want you to appoint deacons. And here's the qualifications. So that's Timothy's responsibility. Timothy, go back in the, into what? Into these church plants. But now what's the plan of God? Well, these churches should just grow to hold millions of people, and it's that's, that's not important. That's, that's not the priority. Right. The priority is making disciples. So whatever vehicle we need, we'll use. But the New Testament letters are written to church plants. We are made to multiply, and we are going to do it aggressively. So right now, Salt Church is nine months old. We've got three months until we're a year old. I wonder what we'll have to show King Jesus on May 2nd. We, we, we gathered for a year, and we loved each other, and that's true, and that's good, and we were growing in our knowledge of the word, and we worshipped him. But he's wanting to see fruit. He wants to see fruit in Jermichael. Lord, I preach faithfully. I love the saints. I'm praying for the, I'm pastoring those people. Yeah, you are. Okay, so now talk to me about who are you discipling? Who are you, who are you making disciples? Who are you raising up so that they can also be a multiplier? Ooh, okay. Well, I need to okay, that's a little that's a little bit of a little bit of a push, isn't it? Oh, it's almost like he's the king and I'm one of the subjects in the kingdom. It's almost like he's in charge and he's going to give his direction and his instruction for the things that he wants. Lord, don't let us get to a year old. Don't let us get to 18 months old. Don't let us get to 24 months old. You talk about a a a man having a a crisis in life. If Salt Church is 20 you know, 24 months old. We get to two years old, and and it's the same faces looking at each other, loving each other, smiling at each other. I don't think you, y'all misunderstand my love for you. But the point is, I'm a guy sitting out here. I'd feel the same way if I was in your shoes. But then, of course, thankfully we have plenty of mirrors in here. So if I ever have a real problem with what's going on, I know who to find. and say, who are you discipling? Joe Michael? Well, I've been busy. Ah. Here here they come. Those excuses we listed. So we're going to put those things to death, and we're going to do that by prayer right now. So this is how we're going to close. We've got this list here, and we're going to pray together. And we're going to pray about these things. Because nothing can stand against Jesus and his church. Salt Church is a multiplying church. That is our value. We multiply as disciple makers, and we multiply as a church. So let's stand, and we're going to take... Five, six minutes as we close here, and we're going to pray through these things. We're going to raise our voices together. (coughs) I'm going to ask the band to play softly in the background. Oh, big mama. Very nice. (laughs) see that but we're going to pray so i know that might um, be there and that can be a blessing to you heavenly father we raise our voices in the name of jesus and we we stand up against fear we stand up against rejection we stand up up against intimidation apathy awkwardness the fear of man we ask lord that you would fill us with boldness consider the threats consider the challenges that face your church Consider the fears that we face, Lord, all the things that may be difficult for us to process, all the things that may hold us back, all the selfishness and sin inside of John Michael, all the selfishness and sin inside of Salt Church. Lord, we pour it out onto you. We ask for your blessing. We ask for your provision. We ask that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit boldness. We need your fire. We need your grace. We need your direction. We need your wisdom. Because nothing can stand against you, God. Nothing can stop you. Nothing can hold back the power of Jesus' kingdom. So we expect that your light and that your life will work through us. We ask you to pour out your spirit and fill us up. Fill us up with power. Fill us up with desire. God, some of us, we don't even have the desire. We just don't even have the want to. We don't even have the get up and go. And all that has to come from you. So Holy Spirit... Strike us with good power. Strike us with good pleasure. Strike us with your good direction. Lord, hit us like lightning. Zap us out of our apathy, God. Find us faithful. Like this song is saying, here am I, send me. You need somebody, Lord? You want something, God? Here I am. Send me. Use me. I want to count for you, Lord. I want to be a blessing. I want my life to matter. I love the people of this world, I love you. It's my love that leads me. It's my love that causes me to go. It's my love that draws me out. God, make us an unselfish people, a people who aren't worried about, make us a people who aren't worried about our own glory. We're not worried about our name. We're not worried about our reputation. We're gonna plant churches because we're not territorial. We're not in competition because we're cheering for everybody who proclaims the name of Jesus. God, make me a pastor who's faithful to you. Make us a church who's faithful to you. God, consider our fears. Consider our intimidations. Consider our weaknesses. And destroy the works of the enemy, God. Strongholds that are real. Strongholds where Satan has a grip on us, God. Destroy those things. Destroy it. Destroy it. Destroy it in Jesus' name. And let's just close out service by singing and worshiping.